Say something, Brian. Okay. Sorry. We're live on system not to bug. The 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 image that you see in our Twitter is is not an error. It it is in fact um it is in fact an error, but it's not like an an error error. <laughs> and now we're laughing about it on system dot debug. <laughs> You said my you said my line. All I'm of them. Sorry, I had to. I didn't think you were lines. gonna jump in and it was dead air and I was laughing. I don't know. All I know is that I looked up and then you guys were both laughing. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. So I started laughing with you. <laughs> it just struck me <laughs> funny just all of a sudden because that tweet went out and poor RJ's saying like the image isn't loading for me. Yeah, I was no, like, I'm, I'm an idiot though. That's the image. So. And I, it, I'm sorry, it caught me before, just before we went live, and I lost my stuff. So, <clears throat> Brian, I had to say that his uh, his bump went to sleep, and I thought yeah. that was cute. So that made me giggle even more. Yes, it's just it's just a giggle fest to begin. Oh my gosh, that happens. That's life. That's life. Deal with it. Very good. All right. Sorry, Brian. What are we talking about tonight? Okay, so. Last week, I had the privilege of presenting to the Charlotte user group about decoding the big red error. And I thought I should probably share this with everybody on system.debug. So I figured why not do it tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Good night so as any. You guys have seen the big red error? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I think maybe for the uninitiated, you should explain what you mean when you say the big red error. Because oh, to I be will. honest, no, I didn't I know what you meant until I saw the screenshot and I was like, Oh, that big red arrow. And Nate Pepper's in there. He's talking about GAX. I don't think we're quite to the GAC level yet on System.Debug, but we'll probably get to that at some what point. What is GAC? Also, I'm the, I'm the uninitiated. So, Yes. The the GAC is the error that you get when like Salesforce just says, oops, I don't even know what you're doing with this thing and hands it off to the subsystem. The subsystem blows up on you and gives it back with this nice long like numerical error with a dash in the middle. And so... Oh. Yeah, technically that can mean something to somebody who has the access to see stuff, and uh, they can go in and track Do you have that access? Down. I can neither confirm nor deny. So no, he doesn't have it, RJ. I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, All right, so why don't we just jump into this, and then that way we have lots of time at the end for anybody else who wants to let me know about what they think. All right, so I'm just going to go ahead. And um, am I sharing my screen? No, I'm just kidding. You're no, not sharing not. the screen yet. No, but he's working on it. Always it. under the pressure with these live shows. I just, <clears throat> I just can't take it. Oh, there, Ooh, there it was. It was. Are, you, are you ready, Brian? Can you see it? Only when you talk. Okay, now, now I think you're there. Oh, wait, no, because like that way... There you go. You're presenting to everyone. Now I'm presenting to everyone, and I'm going to click the present button. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Okay. This, this big red error. All right. So this is going to be how to decode code for the admin audience, the big red error. This is system.debug. I'm your presenter, Brian M. James. On the show with me today, we have Ryan at Life with Ryan on Twitter, RJ the, at the infamous RJ on Twitter, at Megan SF is off tonight. I'm at usbrian28, and you can follow us all at system.debug. 
Yeah, then then I would play a bump, but I, we've already bumped, so move on. Yeah, it's been bumped. <laughs> it's been get bumped. over it, Brian. Get over it. All right, well, I get it, okay? I get it. It's big. It's scary. At first glance, it almost makes no sense, but it's also very informative. Yeah, invalid data, dude. You already so, know. This is easy. What is the big red error? <laughs> the big red error is an over-the-top way of letting us know something went wrong. The problem is the error always feels a little too generic. We all wish it would just get to the point and tell us where we screwed up. Unfortunately, this is never going to be the case out of the box. There is just no way for Salesforce as a platform to be able to tell exactly what all of their clients are trying to accomplish. So instead, they do their best to trace where in the software things have gone wrong. And a lot of the time, the rest is up to us to figure out. It's sort of like a scavenger hunt that no one asked to participate in, and Salesforce has given us the very first clue. All right. So why don't we go ahead and break down this there. The first two lines are simply filler text, giving us a general, hey, it's data related and that any errors are below. Everything else is what's known as a stack trace message. A stack trace basically is a map of what the software was doing when it failed and the path it took to get there. What was running when we got the error? All right, so whatever is going on happens when the contact trigger is called. That particular trigger belongs to the namespace skinny B coding. If you've not set up a, a my domain in your Salesforce org, you probably do not have a namespace yet. Namespaces are an identifier that distinguishes your package and its contents from packages of other developers on the app exchange. This is how companies like DocuSign and MapAnything keep their code independent of other code in your org. <clears throat> if that is our namespace, then we have control over the code. If it belongs to a managed package, we don't have control of the code to determine what is wrong, and we may need to get on a call with customer support. What action is being taken? So the before insert tag lets us know that the error was caused before our record could be inserted. Since our trigger must be handling some logic prior to creating, in our case, a new contact. So far, so good? So very so, good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is more informative than I've ever <laughs> gotten with it. Okay, yeah, I mean, so, I have yeah. to be honest. I've I've never broken it down to this yeah. level, but you know, as a if you're not a developer, you know, you wouldn't know to break it down like that. So th this is very good. So what went wrong? All right. So what caused it to fail? Well, it looks like we failed when it tried to insert some data. Did this happen when inserting the contact? No, that can't be right because the error was caused in the before insert section of our trigger. So it must be something else. We'll need to look at our code a little and figure out what is going on. But first, let's see if there are any more clues to the puzzle before we do that. What's the real error? Here we go. So it looks like we caused a validation rule to fire up. I didn't realize that was like behind a little bit. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> here we go. It looks like we caused a validation rule to fire off and it failed. But we don't remember putting any validation rules on contacts. And isn't rating an account field? But we're trying to create a contact, not an account. What's going on here? Where did this happen? All right, so we still don't know what is going on just yet, but we officially know where to go. It turns out that the last thing that was happening in our code happened on line 19 of our contact trigger helper class in a method called create new account. This is starting to make sense. Okay, so to sum up our problem, we attempted to create a contact, but before it was created a trigger named contact trigger was ran, which called the create new account method on our contact trigger helper class, 
which ended up failing on line 19, causing a validation rule to fail as well. All right. So before you go any further, um, we do have one correction in that, and that, that is namespace is not always going to be equal to your my domain. I mean, some people may set it up that way, but they are, I believe, two different things. Nate is also saying that in chat there, or Nate is actually the one who brought it to our attention. Oh, fair enough. What's yeah. the one, if it's not my domain, what is the one that happens when you create your lightning org? That's still my domain. You have to turn on my domain, but oh, namespace is when okay, you set up right. a package. When yeah, set, namespace oh, is when you gotcha. set up a packaging org. It's like, we need to be able to identify your code. Okay, well then I... Can't go back in time. So I apologize, everybody. Thank <laughs> you for clarifying. That was my bad. Entirely. These are for future presentations to future user groups, sir. You're doing just fine. I do appreciate it. All right. So <laughs> I think we're ready to track this thing down and figure out what's going on. Okay. So let's navigate in our developer console to the contact trigger helper class and take a peek at the line in question. All right. Here it is. So the first thing we realized by looking at line 19 is that our failed insert is happening on account records, not our contact record. The next step is to determine why we are trying to create accounts to begin with. Good documentation is important in code because it allows anybody who has to look through it later the ability to get a quick and easy perspective on what the code is actually doing. The Java doc at the top of the method gives us a better idea of the method's purpose. This method creates accounts for any contacts passed to it that do not already look up to an account. I see now. We have our trigger calling the create new account method whenever we create a new contact. According to the documentation, we are checking to see if the contact being inserted is associated to an account or not. If not, then we apparently want to create a new one. How exciting. I feel like we're getting somewhere. Okay. <laughs> so if we remember back to the actual error, we were receiving, if we remember back to the actual error we were receiving, it was that there is no ready being selected for our account record. That's right, I remember setting that up. When my sales team was creating accounts for their prospective clients, they'd always forget to fill out the rating field. So I needed to create a validation rule that would give them a friendly reminder to pick one. Now it seems to be coming back to slap me in the face a little bit. <laughs> From here, <clears throat> We would typically want to take a step back before making any rash decisions and ask ourselves, should we? Should we deactivate or remove the validation rule altogether? Should we add a rating field to our contact record that carries over when creating the account on our trigger? Maybe we should talk to our teammates and come up with a strategy that works well for all the parties? Or should we just hard code something in and move on because we don't really care what happens as long as we can save this darn contact? Mm. All of the above. That's fair. I know what I should do. <laughs> and I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Oh, <laughs> can I take one second to just jump in here? Um, so just for anyone who's who's wondering, and I know most of you who are listening probably aren't wondering, but just in case there are any, there's anyone who is, there's always going to be a multitude of, of answers uh, for any given problem. So this is this is what Brian's talking about here. There's there's several options for him to go through, and he's just kind of pinpointing which ones are the, the best options and which ones are not the best options. And in this case, this is probably not a great idea, especially if you're using a pick list. But we're going to, and we're just going to go ahead and update the code so that we can get our contact created. On line 15, let's set each new account's rating field to a value of hot. Hmm. 
I should ask Jen if she can make me a workflow to send out emails for every account that has a hot rating to its owner. <laughs> All right. My goodness. That Perfect. Works. That should do it. Let's go ahead and save our picks so we can finally save our contact. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. What's wrong another... now? Okay, this isn't so bad. This looks almost exactly like the last error, except the actual error message itself has changed. This time, the error is required field missing. Required fields are missing. Well, that should be an easy enough fix. Since the stack trace is the same, we know that the issue lies in the create new account method of the contact trigger helper class. The same method we just updated. I think we just need to add a name to our new contact and we'll finally be able to save the record. Let's go ahead and head back over to our code and make that change now. I think we should make the name a little more dynamic than the rating. So let's make it a new contact's first and last name separated by a space. All right, let's save our code again and see if we get any more new errors. Seems like we still have one more error to knock out before our day of debugging is over. So what do we have? Same class, same method, different error message. This time, it looks like we have a missing argument, ID not specified in an update call. Also, it appears this time our error is happening on line 31. All right, one more time, back to the code, and let's see what's going on. So it looks like after we've inserted our new account records, we still need to match them up with the correct contact record. According to the error message, the records will not update because they are still missing a field that is required to update. The message tells us that the field is missing the ID field. We're inserting the contacts. Don't they have IDs? Let's do a quick system.debug to find out. Dun, dun, dun. Namesake, namesake. <laughs> system.debug allows us to display data from our code by passing variables to it. All right, so now we just need to save our code and try to save our contact. Then we can check the logs in our developer console since we are already working in there. You can open the log by double-clicking on it. Oh, wow, that's a whole lot of log right there. Is there anything we can do to just see our debug statement? You bet. The developer console makes reading logs easy by supplying us with a couple of filter checkboxes, my favorite of which is debug only. Checking this option will only display the debug statements we entered in our code. That's much better. And I can already see what our problem is. Our contact record doesn't have an ID, so there is no way to tell the database what record we want to update. It must be because the contact record doesn't even exist yet. And of course it doesn't. We've been working with our contact record data before we have inserted our contact records. <laughs> Silly us. This is an easy fix. First, we need to update the parameters for our trigger to be, in, to be after insert instead of before. Then, we need to update our trigger condition to fire only after the record has been inserted. All right, one final save, I swear. And that's it. We've done it. Our contact has saved, and we can finally move on with our day. What's next on our list of things to do? Oh, create more contacts. This should be easy. Nice. Dude, I just I just have to say that that sounded awfully off the cuff. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
I like that like 10 seconds before the show started, Ryan's like, you know what I really like about us is that we're off really just always off the cuff. We're not scripted at all. And then Ryan just comes through with this very buttoned up, very, very buttoned up presentation. I love it. Oh my God. That Beautiful. was good. No, it, that was actually, that was actually really good because I've never yeah. actually even taken the time to digest what those actually say. Like I remember just being a normal user, I mean, we're talking way back in like the AOL days and you would just get like an alert box that would pop up and it would just be like, do you remember this? Did you ever get those completely blank error messages? It would pop oh, yeah. up and you just get like an exclamation point or a question mark or null or something like that. Right. And so I don't know. I, I've seen both where you get this really long <clears throat> verbose error message that it's impossible to digest what it is or you get nothing. And so in this case, you know, Salesforce is doing the right thing as they're telling you everything. But one thing I've always wondered is why don't we speak in clearer sentences? Like, I mean, we always tend to leave out it. it I don't think it's important to the answer or to the world or anything like that. But like, I've always noticed error messages are very like terse and they leave out some words that we would actually throw in if we were talking in regular sentences. But like, do you think that's because language contexts are different? So when like, I mean, you know, within German, you would normally change where you're putting your past tense. Yeah, work. but I mean, that's to me, that's what translation's for, right? I mean, you do just the trans translation workbench or whatever. But anyway, that's just an observation I had. But I've never, I guess, what I, that really long crap that I was just saying was just to say, like, I've never taken one of those errors and actually broken down each error. I just my eyes go right to the spot where it's going to give me like the line of code and everything. I will say the only time I've ever had problems is when. Um, it was a validation rule that was firing the error, but they were doing something goofy in the trigger that was actually throwing the error. And they, the, the text of their error said failing like a validation rule. So it was like, I was looking in the wrong place the whole time because they had their, their error message that the person actually put in there said something about a validation rule, like in their custom errors, you know, and they, the trigger didn't meet some condition. So they threw an error from within the trigger and it just led me down the wrong path. So I'm very conscious and try to be very aware of what error message I'm spitting back to users when I write that kind of stuff. But that's like, those were system level basically. So, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think you bring up a good point too, being, uh, being verbose and also well, some, several good points being verbose with your error messages, always a good thing all the way up until you get to the very end user. Cause you want your other devs to know what the heck is going on when they break something. Um, and then also actually having the right error message, which doesn't always happen. Um, super, super good things to to take note of, especially if you're a junior dev, you're just getting into this. People want to know where they where they messed up. They don't care that they messed up. They know how to fix things. They just want to know why, where, and let me get to it. Yeah. Yeah, particularly that person who's debugging it. I mean, just spitting it out right there. This is where it's at. So Nathan is saying with respect to, you know, how you went to debug console and you, you know, geez, that's a lot of crap in there and you check the box. But um, Nathan's saying that there is a Chrome plugin. It's literally called, thank you, Nathan, Salesforce Debug Logs Analyzer. Um, and it's actually like a, a, a Chrome extension. It won't let him paste the URL in the chat probably because it thinks it's spam or something like that, but we can search for it and maybe put it in, put it in ourselves or somehow tweet it out. Maybe, I don't know. We will figure out how to get that, but if we can find the link for that, point to the bottom, point to the bottom down there somewhere. 
I, just, I love doing that. It makes me feel like. And we never those... do anything about it. No matter how many times we tell people to click, there's <laughs> never anything down there to click. There's never anything down there to click. I know. And I'm like seven episodes behind. We'll get there. We're still we'll learning all of this. Well, it's um, all yeah. new to us two years later. By the way, folks, this is our 50th episode. Very happy about this. Very proud. 50th episode at 7.50 p.m. Eastern. 50th level. We're level 50, oh, boys. Yeah. 50th level. Yeah, Dude. I miss Megan. I wish Megan was here to celebrate the level 50th-ness. She's here uh, somewhere in spirit. I actually, I wish Mark Ross was here so we could roll a die of 20 really <clears> quick, because that just sounds like that's what we need to do. Like, Dungeons Dragons, level 50, we're going to roll a die of 20 for Thacko. But never mind, now I'm gone. I don't know what it is. Thacko <laughs> 2. Thacko 1. I, I don't know. I've lost. I, no, I, I don't know. So, so let's talk about some helpful hints for people uh, debugging stuff, right? Like how as developers, what can we do to make uh, debugging easier for admins? I like the friendlier error messages, right? Yeah. Um, but what can you do on your code? Oh, definitely comment. I mean, I don't know if they, I don't know if admins can see code, but commenting is always a plus no matter what, I'll, I'll always go back to that. People will always say, no, you suck the self-documented code. Sorry, I can't even talk. Use self-documented code, write self-documented code, write it so that it's readable. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but it's still only readable to you because you're the one who wrote it. So no matter how self-documenting you may think it is, someone else might be like, no, sorry. Right. So yeah. write actual English above it. And, well, and like Nate says, try and catch. And I was going to say is that if you're using yeah. try catches in your code, a lot of times, um, if you're using custom exceptions or whatever, you can catch a little bit more, make it to Ryan's point a little bit more friendlier to your users, because those are the messages that are going to end up displaying on those records. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. If you use custom exceptions or anything like that, um, that's probably for more, I won't say advanced developers, but if you're just starting on the platform, we're probably going to blow you away if we start talking about custom exceptions. But even, but even is... setting it up to even say stuff like, you know, your your basic exception, exception E, and then you're just doing error caused on, or error exception, or E dot get message, and then plus online E dot get line, that alone, and then added with the stack trace makes it a lot easier to debug it sometimes. Yeah. And then um, if you're writing an application and you have you know, other staff that may be helping you set it up, you can also provide, let's say you have some message that you think is really good, but somebody else wants to change it or the admin starts getting requests saying, hey, I really don't like that error message. It doesn't tell me anything. If you use labels instead, then your error messages leave your code. They become translatable. And then also an admin can go in and say, hey, let's make this a little more user-friendly. Or if you have a docs person, you can make that a user-friendly. Because let's face it, most developers are not very user-friendly. You know, there's there's things I say sometimes half tongue-in-cheek, half not, which is, you know, as a matter of fact, I said that today, the only thing worse than no documentation is developer-written documentation. <laughs> the only thing worse than no QA is developer-only QA. Um, that's just, because, yeah, we'll, we'll break things in, the way we expect it to break and you know we consume things differently than our end users do so i would say making sure that you're you know you're extracting those error messages out into labels is is, is at least a, a help for for people particularly if you're in a multilingual situation too where you know your app might be used by other country other countries where english isn't the the, per, the first language um there was another one that we were just talking about and now i've completely lost it it was before we mentioned try huh you were talking about 
what the we Chrome can extension? do as developers. Oh, with the oh no no you're right you're right it's what yeah. we can do as developers. Yeah, uh, the commenting code and I I had this discussion this past week with some colleagues of mine where um, I think it was Martin Fowler wrote it in a book about I think it's called Clean Code. I didn't read the book. It was referenced in this conversation where they are absolutely they were saying you know good clean code comments itself and the argument there that I wish I would have thought of because I still write comments even when the code documents itself. Um, for multiple reasons. Number one, it might be a junior developer that inherits that and they're not as familiar with the concept that is being there, which is entirely possible. But one that I didn't even think about is the Salesforce platform does enable admins to actually come in and be able to see this code sometimes. And if they can go in and read that documentation, of, oh, this must be where it's blowing up and this is what's intending on being done, then they can do that much more work and before they hand it off to a developer, or maybe if they're just learning to develop, they can tackle it themselves, right? So um, I absolutely am on board with the, yeah, I get code should be able to document itself, but it's not always going to be a developer, perhaps, or not always an experienced developer, perhaps, reading that code. So I think it's super important to make sure that you are well, still even as, your code. Even as a developer whose sole job is to fix bugs, like that's that's all I do is is manage our maintenance team. And, and so day in and day out, it's just fixing bugs. Um, and when the feature developers actually comment their code, it's a world of difference. And, and even down to input parameters, right? So to your point of like, you know, following up with other developers, but a lot of times you come back to something and you're not even sure, like you may look at the, the method and, you know, it could either have, or the function I'm saying, and, and you know, the function could have a couple of parameters, you know, maybe it's got um, just two parameters and one's a JSON string, but you have no idea what that JSON string is supposed to do until you've started logging it and everything else like that. Yeah. And that is, I, I'm sorry, I'm just reading the chat here and M, I'm just, I'm going to butcher this because I don't know what it is, but it's MDE Maria. I'm going to say it like that, but they're talking about the SF, F, uh, SFDX command where you can force the output of the debug log to your terminal and if you're in a linux type environment or whatever you can pipe that to a command they call grep and filter out the exact message you're looking for so maybe you're one of those people i think we even talked about it one time that like maybe they put star 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 before an error or whatever you could literally like spit that log out to your thing do a grep on star 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 and it'll just spit out just those errors you know when it hits those lines um one thing i don't know about that solution is and i, I can't imagine it is is it still subject to the like the log limits, like on a transaction. I mean, part of me feels like it has to be, but that would really suck if that's true because it would be nice to have just this steady stream of logs. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's kind of cool. Clean code by Robert C. Martin on variable naming. Yes, variable naming, effective blocking. Yeah, all those things. This all comes back to my favorite near and dear to me is clean readable code, right? What do you um, mean by less indentation? just like less uh in like less like embedding of it or like yeah let's see i'd be curious if he means literally the distance between the left and the right or if he means just code that's <clears throat> not indented i don't know I, i'm a four spacer kind of person um i like four spaces uh which is would apparently make me break up with the the lead star of uh, silicon valley or whatever it was pretty <laughs> hilarious but I'm maybe it's like, be, sorry, go ahead. No, no, he's not going to okay, go right, ahead. Fine, I'll go ahead. I'm assuming what Nate's talking about is shallow code. 
shallow. Right, code. like not like yeah. not putting too much functionality in it. Oh, gotcha. Well, yeah, you just you don't want to get into a place where your code is like 15 tabs deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, oh. man, I'm, I'm going to really write the heck out of this thing and then have an if and 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 a where and an if. Like this yeah. whole big, big, gigantic thing. You got like 18 nested while loops. Like, for what reason? You know? Well, speaking of ifs, I want to know how many people are going to go back and refactor their code for the new Switch statement that came out recently. Did they finally add Switch? To yeah, yeah, like Switch in summer. Now. Was it summer? Yeah, summer. Summer or winter, or something like that. Yeah, it's a real Microsoft move there. No offense, yeah. Microsoft. I love you. No, it is. I mean, of course, it's got its own little Salesforce flair on it because you got Switch, and then instead of cases, it's Win, Win. Oh, really? Yeah. It's I, I, I have yet to win. even look at it to be honest, because um, since since I started at at org, I've been mainly in an architectural role, and I really haven't touched code. The other day was my first pull request, like. And I've been there seven months, eight months. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's crazy. I haven't yet to see the uh, the switch statement. Uh, yeah, the brand new switch statement like, invented in 1972. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, for those of you who probably won't be uh, watching the show live since we're almost done here, you need to come back to the comments because these are pretty funny. Actually, I like this. But yeah, I, I mean, I think I think we've been asking for the switch statement as a community for uh, a long time, and they they finally took it. I never understood. And somebody has a story. Maybe a Kevin Porman, maybe Chris Peterson. Somebody out there knows the story as to why it wasn't originally added. I believe I could be wrong, but I want to. Oh, say it is your out. job to track that down. I want to oh. know. I will see if I can find out, Commander. Yes. Oh um, my goodness. Yeah, you boys, you boys. Yeah, that's funny. I it, Nate's talking about the the whole tabs versus spaces thing on um, what do you call it? Uh, Silicon Valley. No, oh. Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> debug. Yeah, I don't think we have quite that following yet. Maybe someday we'll get. Well, I just there. meant he was talking about it on System. It's I'm watching oh, it. He is. Yeah. So I'm just yeah. saying. I'm gonna have to. I've been talking too much now, and there's so much that's been going by on the chat that I'm gonna have to read this afterwards myself and figure out what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So very good. Thank you for the presentation, sir. Yep. Very good. You're very welcome. I really appreciate it, and I gotta change. I gotta make them notes. Gotta make them notes. Oh yeah, yeah. The the space. Yeah. Yeah. How embarrassing. That's live now. Do I have to do this again next time? Yeah, that's always there. Can you just like in the in post in post? Can you just cover that with your voice? Just be like, namespaces are. (laughs) I'll just I'll just cough over it. We'll just make it. I'll make it sound like we had a hiccup in the cable lines. You know. Oh yeah. yeah. There we go. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that that's a good point. You you just you went through it so quick, and I'm listening to it. I'm like, yeah, uh huh. And then I see Nate type that, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's right. (laughs) <laughs> those are different two different things um yeah it's just it just happens to be like anytime i've spun up a developer org i've needed the the package namespace i've i've made it match because it's never i don't have any published real packages out there so it's just been all throwaway stuff for me almost said a naughty word sorry about that you better buzz us here real soon because, okay um, hey, I, i'm really close to my swear threshold it's been like so half much for joining us uh remember you can follow us all on twitter at system.debug at the infamous RJ, at Life with Ryan, at US Brian28, and Megan, who's off, is at Megan SF. Thank you so much again, and have a 
great next couple of weeks. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you.